Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Why are some people born like this? How come some people can't do that? How come some people don't have parents? How come some people this happen? How come God allows this? And there's certain things, you guys, to which there's not really an answer that will satisfy or be sufficient. Um, there are some things with the Lord that I don't believe we're, 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 we're able to comprehend because we don't function on the same plane that God does. You guys know God is much greater than us, amen? And His ways are not our ways. Have you ever found yourself questioning how God could let certain bad things happen? This common question is often a stumbling block for unbelievers. In today's teaching, Pastor Bill will help listeners answer this and ultimately encourage us to trust that the Lord knows best. God certainly does not need to explain Himself to us, and there is so much that He is doing that is beyond our comprehension. Rest in trusting the character of God, which He has revealed to us through His Son, Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Here's a little bit of an introduction. So we have 1st and 2nd Samuel. Originally, 1st and 2nd Samuel were just one book. Uh, so this, this, you know, even though we have the two books, it was originally just one book. And it was first divided into two books in the Septuagint translation. That was done for our convenience, just to kind of break it up. Just like the when the scriptures were originally written, there was no chapter and verse. Those things were put for our convenience so that we could reference back to verses in scripture and whatnot. And so, and those things are very helpful for the most part. Sometimes you feel like they got the chapter breaks wrong, but in general, I'm glad I know John 3.16 that I don't have to know all of John. I could just say that that one verse, you remember, you know, I can I can give you the address to it quickly. So similar thing that happened with the book of first and second Samuel. Originally, again, one book, uh, but broken into two for our convenience. Lots of rich lessons um, and, and the stories, things you might have, you know, that we we've all heard, you know, the story of Samuel as he comes into the priesthood, uh, David and Goliath, David and Jonathan and their friendship, David, as he ran from Saul and and just that whole experience of of knowing he was the anointed king, but running from the guy that was chasing him down. Uh, we see his kindness to you know, Saul's son that was left behind, Mephibosheth. Um, we see David's sorrow over Absalom, one of his own sons, trying to kill him. Um, and so there are many lessons and things we'll get from the stories of First Samuel. It's a, a lot of stories through the book. Uh, there's some doctrinal lessons in the book. We'll learn about the Davidic covenant and, and some of the things that, you know, we, we'll learn even from David's life, how his sins creeped up in the sins of his own children. First and second Samuel bridge the gap between the judges and the full establishment of the royal line of David. And so um, it kind of brings us from, we had the judges where every man did what was right in his own eyes. And this brings us into full circles. It was when Samuel begins his ministry, you know, there's no kings yet. And it's, it's during his ministry that the people say, we don't want a God to rule over us. And we want a king like the other nations. And they, they begin to have kings. And so all that transpires in here. We'll learn about all that far as the authorship and who wrote the book, we really don't know. Uh, because it's called Samuel, most people say, oh, Samuel wrote the book. But a good majority of First and Second Samuel is written after he dies. Samuel dies in 1 Samuel 25. Remember, this is all one book. 
So he couldn't have written it if, you know, he died at chapter 25. It's a whole another book afterwards. So he may have uh, he may have had a lot to do with contributing to whoever the writer was. Um, and there's lots of speculations. Y'all know I don't do that. So we don't know who wrote the book. First uh, Samuel, we know that Samuel obviously had a lot of influence, uh, at least up until he died uh, on those. The person that was writing this book, we're not giving that information outright. So. From that, I would like to jump right in with you guys. Um, if you guys would open up to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, and I'd like to jump right in with you guys from there uh, into the book. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, if you get it, say got it. It says this. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then I'll go back and we'll walk through those verses. It says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. We'll come back to that. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. So as we begin the book of 1 Samuel, we're introduced to some characters right off the bat. Um, the man is Elkanah. He's the husband. You know, we get all his family background, his heritage and all of that. And tells us he was a Ephraimite. And then it tells us that he had two wives. Uh, anybody have a problem with that? Anybody have a problem with that? Two wives? All right. All right. My wife's hand went up first. Okay. And, and this was problematic. So back in this day, in this era, and I want to be clear that it's not that it was okay to do or right to do, but it was the custom of the era if for some reason you married and your wife was barren, she was unable to bear children, in this culture, the men would take on another wife uh, for the purpose of bearing children uh, because that was how a man's name would, would carry on. Uh, there was a very low view of women at this time. Um, and so, you know, sons were celebrated in a way that daughters were not celebrated. And, you know, if you were going to leave things behind, a man wanted sons to do. I'm not saying that that was right. That was what was going on in the culture back then. So if your wife was barren and couldn't have kids, um, what the secular world would do is a guy would take another wife. And this would be my wife to bear kids with because I got to carry on my name, so forth and so on. So even though Elkanah will see that he seems to be a, a believer in the God of Israel, he goes up to worship at Shiloh every year. Uh, but when he found that his wife was barren, he did what everybody else does. And let me just throw out to you guys, was there another option for him? What what could Elkanah have done other than take on another wife that we don't read that he did? Okay, somebody said adopt. He could have prayed. I don't know if they had adoption back here. I'm sure you could have, you know, but I mean, I, to me, it seems like the first thing a man would do is let's pray. Let's pray this thing. Let's 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 cry out to God. You go up every year to worship anyway. Bring this request before the Lord. We don't read that he ever did that. The only one we ever see pray here is Hannah. And so it makes me I wonder, did, did this guy just kind of do what he saw? This is what the culture does. 
Um, you guys remember Abraham, another great man of faith whose wife was barren. And it seemed that his wife wore, you know, she wore fragile of not being able to bear this kid that this man wanted so bad. And she suggested up to just do what everybody just go into my handmaiden Hagar. It seems that that was the temptation of the day. We see with Abraham that also was a mega mess. Anybody here with common sense is not mostly as I'm looking at no woman or no. There's no woman or no man that wants to share. Usually there are some crazy situations today. I I understand that there's some weird things going on there. But in general, don't nobody want to share. Amen. All right. So uh, Elkanah took on this second wife. And so uh, just I want to just bring you into the story. I want you I want you guys to. We're going we're gonna to really follow Hannah in this story. I titled the message tonight, Give It to God. Uh, that's what she's going to have to do. But I want to bring you into Hannah's story right now. And so consider that you're Hannah, your wife number one. You had the love relationship with Elkanah. You loved him. He loved you. You guys got married. You got down the road and you found out, I'm barren. I'm not, every, I'm not getting pregnant. And I know that there are women that have that, that traumatic experience or that, that difficult thing to deal with. She's not getting pregnant. I'm sure people kept asking, hey, when are you guys going to have kids? When are you guys going to have kids? And, and it wasn't like today. It wasn't like they had condoms or they had, you know, uh, you know, birth control. I mean, just, you know, people got married and babies. Just they, 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 This was a culture that viewed children as a blessing. We live in a different culture. We live in a culture today where people treat children like a curse. Um, and we got to be so careful that that the world doesn't influence us what does the Bible say about children? The Bible says children are a blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. And so be careful of acting like when somebody's married and they, you know, they turn up pregnant as child number five. And you have people say, again, that's a lot. Is another one like 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 as though there's a, there's a number that's just too many kids to have. They're a blessing. As many as the couple want to pop out and take care of. Praise God. You know, we're going to pray for him. So anyway. Hannah is barren. She's not able to have children. Her husband takes on this second wife. And I just want you to just put yourself in her emotional state. Imagine now your husband that it was just you and him a while back. But because of this thing, that's not your fault. You have nothing to do with. Um, the Bible literally says the Lord had closed her womb. And so nothing that she had done, nothing that she did wrong. But, but now because of this issue that you have, there's a new woman coming in. And, and she sleeps over there and, and husband goes over there some nights. He's with you and he's with her. He's with you. And she's popping out kids left and right. And she's taunting you. Y'all know how messy women can be? Just, I need all the ladies to say amen. Y'all know ladies can Okay, so women can be... I mean, I, I've never met... I've met some messy men, but I've met messier women. Women are better at mess. And so I want you to imagine, it says this woman, Penina, provoked her... And we'll see in chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 provoked her severely but I want you just to imagine that you're the first wife the loved wife and you can't she can't have kids and now there's this other woman and she's not just having kids and having your husband she's letting you know about it you know uh oh we had a wonderful time last night how you doing this morning are you doing okay Hannah uh you know just imagine what kind of terror that would be terrible to live with that's Hannah's situation Right here, what can she do about this? She didn't do anything wrong to get into the situation, but she's in a, would you guys agree she's in a messed up situation? Very difficult situation, emotionally painful situation. 
um, it, apart from the woman provoking her, just the circumstances themselves are painful. That's where her life is at at this point in time. It says in verse three, it says, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The other one was Penina. Um, Hannah's name means favored. And, and, I, and as I read this, I just bet that she didn't feel very favored. You know, I don't think she was feeling like God's favor was on her. Not yet. But I, I'm sure at this point she's not feeling favored. Uh, Penina, her name means ruby. You know, so maybe she was red or something like that. Um, but uh, Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And it says that he went up yearly, her husband did, to, to offer sacrifices and to, and, and to make vows before the Lord in Shiloh. It mentions here something that will be important later in the book of 1 Samuel. We get introduced to Eli, the priest, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who also served in the priesthood. Uh, we'll find out why God needed a man of God so bad. That seemed like the priesthood uh, was in big trouble with Eli and his two wicked sons. More on that uh, at some time later in this book. It says now in verse 4 that whenever the time came for Elkanah to make offerings, he would give to Penina a portion, but to Hannah he would give a double portion. Now I want you to consider that you're Hannah. And, and this is what would happen. When you go to offer sacrifice of the animal, um, you get to eat some of it. So you offer some to the Lord, but you they barbecue this food and you get to eat too. And so he would give Penina her portion, but he would bring to Hannah a double portion, right? And I just want you to consider if you're, if you're Hannah and, and you want a child, what is extra beef or extra ribs going to do for you? You know, is that going to be, is that, is that what you really want? This is, he's, now, he's she's like, now you're going to make me fat. You know, I can't have kids. Now I get double, I get two plates to her one. I'm going to be fat and barren. Um, you know, he's just doing the wrong thing. He's offering her double portions of meat. He also says, the wrong thing. Um, I want you to look at verse five. Again, it says he would give Hannah a double portion. And it says that he loved her, um, although the Lord had closed her womb. Uh, one thing before I move to the next point. When we read this, the Lord had closed her womb. I want you to consider, why would God do that? Knowing that this would cause hurt, knowing this would cause, you know, um, some uh, discomfort, um, some pain. And all. Why did God close her womb? Why did he do that? Why are some people born like this? How come some people can't do that? How come some people don't have parents? How come some people this happen? How come God allows this? And there's certain things, you guys, to which there's not really an answer that will satisfy or be sufficient. Um, there are some things with the Lord that I don't believe we're, 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 we're able to comprehend because we don't function on the same plane that God does. You guys know God is much greater than us. Amen. And his ways are not our ways. And so if you're writing notes, I want you to write down Isaiah chapter 55 verses eight and nine. And this is a verse that uh, every believer needs to just remember this sometimes when you just say, I don't understand what God is doing. I don't understand why God would allow that. I don't understand when you think those thoughts. Remember this verse, Isaiah 55, eight, nine, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God said, look, I'm, we're not the same. You're not going to understand everything I do. Right. If someone said if you could understand God, we, 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 could, we wouldn't worship him. God is so much greater and so far more vast than, than we are. We will not always understand what he's doing. 
And we have the book here, right? We have the whole story. So we can look here and say, wow, God, you, you withheld that from her, but you're going to give it to her later. What was happening in the meanwhile? What were you accomplishing in the meanwhile? And I want everybody here that's waiting on God for something. Maybe you're praying that God would do something in your life. And it's not a bad desire that she wants a child with her husband. Amen. Would you guys agree? That's a fair desire. That's a that's a that's a right desire, a good desire, a healthy desire even. And, and maybe some of you are here. Maybe some of you that are watching, you have good desires. Maybe you're a Christian and you're married and you want to have a child. That's a fair desire. That's not a bad thing that you want. Maybe you're a Christian and you're single and you want a, a marriage. You want to be with someone. That's not a bad desire. Those aren't wrong things. And so how come God says, no, I'm making you wait. I don't, I can't answer this emphatically or directly, but I want to point your attention to something. Throughout scripture, if you go throughout the Bible and you look at all the people that were waiting for children, for whatever reason, they were barren at one point and they were waiting on God for a child and God finally gives them a child. These are none of those children are normal children. And it's always in the positive. So Think of Sarai, who was waiting and waiting with Abraham, and she wanted this child. They get Isaac, the promised child, through whom the nations are going to be blessed. Uh, right now, we have Hannah, who's just being provoked, and she wants so bad a child, and God's going to use this to cause her to say, God, if you just give them to me, I'll give them back to you. I just want to have one, you know? And God's going to use it for his glory. Later on, uh, or, or, or over in the Judges, there was Samson's mom. They were barren, and the angel of the Lord showed up and, and made her the promise that she would she would finally be able to have this son. Um, Elizabeth, um, you know, Elizabeth was barren. And she would get pregnant with John the Baptist as God made God would fulfill the promise that he made towards them. There are people in scripture that God made them wait and then he fulfilled it and it was just sweet. It was very, very sweet what God would do. And so maybe you're waiting on something and just saying, God, I don't, I don't, I'm looking at, you know, she was not just looking at other women have babies. She was looking at the other woman, her husband's other woman having babies. And maybe you're looking at other people that have what you're praying for. You're like, God, they get it. They're not even walking with you and they have what I want. They're not even faithful to you and they have what I want. And you're here. You're, I'm being faithful to you, God. I'm doing, I'm trying to, I read, I pray, I serve, I go. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. You have no idea what God is doing in your heart in the season of waiting. And so I encourage you to wait in faith, wait in trust, and wait on God to do what only God can do. Don't get tired. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't turn away from the Lord. Don't take it into your own hands. Continue to wait on God. Um, eventually, you will see his faithfulness. You will see his, his, his hand of faithfulness will show in your life in ways that only he can as you wait on him. And so um, moving on, verse 6 now, uh, a couple of things. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. And so this was an ongoing thing, I'm sure, at the house. And then I want you to think of it, even when they would go up to worship, the time of this was a special time for the Jewish people. They would go up and it was a time to worship the Lord, to give offerings and make vows and you know just to, to be in his presence to be there you know before the priest so forth and so on and even at this sweet spiritual time it's telling me what a, what a grimy woman Panina must have been that she she's using this trip 
to just provoke her. You know, all the way there provoking her. And so there was feasting and eating and Hannah's double portion and Hannah wouldn't even eat. She's like, I'm just fasting and weeping. That to me, does that sound like depression? I, I mean, you know, I've never been depressed, but I imagine if you, you, know, you don't want to eat and you're crying, there's something, there's something wrong with you. You know, so you see, you're depressed, something, something gone wrong. If you, you're not eating and you're, you're crying. And so she's depressed about what's going on and doesn't understand. It says that Penina provoked her severely. I looked up that word provoked. It means to be disturbed, fretful, angry, vexed, indignant, grieved, irritated, um, to, to vex, to anger. And, and then there's a, the, the word picture, it's a stirring up or provoking of the heart to a heated condition. So if you've ever had somebody made you mad until you just, everybody's so mad you feel hot. That's what she's going through. And, and I'm sure that she was very upset, not just by her own circumstances, but, but this woman is throwing fuel on her fire. And she was so upset again that she didn't eat and she just wept when she went up there. And so my question to you tonight is, what do we do? Where do we go with this kind of pain? Um, she lived in close quarters and this is something she couldn't escape. She couldn't get away from it. Um, it was something that was there every day, even at what was supposed to be sweet times. Imagine these guys going to church and on the way to church, you know, Panina just go, are you going to children's ministry? Oh, you won't be. Oh, never mind. You know, just just throwing a jab at her, you know, on the way to on the way to church. This is what she's living with all the time. And she can't escape it. What do we do with that kind of pain, with that kind of hurt, those kind of problems? Here's some options. She can strike out. Right. Any women here strikers? Don't raise your hand. Um, but, you know, some of y'all here, you know, Benina might have caught them paws. You know, um, she might have got clawed in the eyeball or something. So she could have struck out at Penina. Right. She could have um, struck out in rage and anger and wrath and that sort of thing. She could strike out. She could head out. She could have said, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving. She could have just took off. Um, that was an option. Um, you know, in this culture, it was not been a popular option because um, then she would have been homeless and hungry. Um, but it was an option. You know, she could have just left. She didn't do that. What we see her do later on is that she could cry out to the Lord. And that's what she's going to end up doing. And I would encourage you, if you have some pressing situation, that you be careful not to get in the flesh and strike out. That's not what God wants. That's not what God's going to bless. That's, that's not going to be the thing that God's hand is on. There won't be any grace on that. There won't be any mercy on that. Um, so don't, don't strike out in the flesh. Refrain from that. Don't head out. Don't leave. Um, don't leave the situation God has allowed you to be put in. Remember it says God closed her womb. God knows what he's doing. He knew what she would be going through, but he's got a purpose and she needed to trust him beyond what she could see. Don't, don't try to get out of the difficult situation that God has you in, that he has to recreate it somewhere else. Don't do that. We'll, we will see later on that Hannah becomes an example of what we should do, which is we want to cry out to the Lord. We want to turn to God in our hurt, turn to God with our impossible situations. We want to come to the God that's unlimited, that can do anything and is always available. And we want to bring it to him in prayer. Now, Look at verse eight. It says, then Elkanah said, then Elkanah, her husband said to her, Hannah, he asked, now let me just say this. He asked three great questions and then he takes off his sandal and inserts his whole foot in his mouth. The questions are great questions. He says these three things. Hannah, 
Why do you weep? That's a good question. Why do you not eat? That's a fair question too. And why is your heart grieved? Those are all decent questions considering the state that she was in. And had he stopped right there and then and listened, he'd have been a good husband. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.